All right, so dysfunctional families, we've been saying all along that dysfunctional families, we're talking about dysfunctional families because dysfunctional families are all that there are. And so if you are living and breathing and find yourself in a seat at Redeemer City Church, uh, you are part of the problem. You are part of the dysfunction, right? We all bring our stuff to the table. And that is why dysfunctional families are created, because dysfunctional people are all that are all that there are. And and honestly, if we weren't dysfunctional, we wouldn't need Jesus. And so there's actually good news wrapped up in the fact that you can't do this thing called life on your own. That it is the thing that drives you back to Jesus. And, and the gospel is the good news that Jesus came to set you free. And so uh, in the midst of that, as we come to today, so we've talked about marriage. You've sat through a sermon on marriage. You've sat through a sermon on parenting. And if you missed either of those, I would encourage you to go back uh, on the podcast or online and listen to those and catch up to what's been going on. But we, we come to this third week and I want to I want to just say, like, what if you're not married and what if you don't have kids and what if you don't even ever plan on having kids? Like, where do you fall? I know because I know you can sit through those other sermons and you can you can pull different principles and you can ask different questions and you can gather different things. But at the end of the day, what is God called singles to do in this life? Whether it be a season of singleness leading to something in a marriage or whether it be forever. If God has called you to that. Now, before we get started, I have to make a confession. I'll make two confessions to you today. But first of all, the, the first confession is that when I was in high school, I had two fears. I had two fears when I was in high school. The first fear was this. I was terrified that God would send me to some other part of the world that I didn't want to go to to be a missionary and be extremely poor. That was my first fear. Any uh, church, anybody raised in the church that you, you feel me on that? You're not even going to admit it. You're like, I don't think I'm allowed to say that in church. But yeah, you preach it, right? Like, you know, like, like that, you know, if you dropped six foot six, very tall white man in Africa, he would suddenly change the world with the gospel, right? Like, you know, and it's, it's an irrational fear, right? Like the gospel was there first. And it's spreading fine without Mitch, right? Like, so like it's an irrational fear, right? My second fear in high school, I was, I was very deep individual, as you can tell, right? No, I was really shallow as a high schooler, right? And my second fear was this, that I was afraid I wouldn't find anyone to spend my life with. Another irrational fear. And, but, but I bring that up because... Because I think the church has perpetuated a fear that isn't biblical. That isn't biblical. And so what I want to do is I want to talk about this idea of being single. Uh, but, but as you unpack that, what was happening in my heart, and I think one of the things that it made me think about this week, thinking about it and looking at it, is something that I do believe is true for every human in here, whether you're married or whether you're single, whether you will be married or whether you won't. And, and here, here's the thing. Every single one of us, regardless of our status 
wants to love and be loved because you're human created in the image of God. And so with that, you're given great value, but also you were created to be in relationship. You can't do this life alone. This life is difficult. That, that might be the primary reason we provide city groups. Studying is great. Knowing the word is great. But you can read that on your own. You can just download the Version Bible app and you can have more resources than the history of the world has ever had. You can get opinions and you can study and you can, I mean, then for like 20 bucks, you can download a study Bible right there on your phone. And I mean, you can just, you can go to town. You can feed yourself. But listen, like, because life is hard, like you need people around you. And so let, let me, let me unpack that a little bit. So if every one of us is desiring to love and be loved, one of the things that happens is that can create a discontentment in the season of life that God has called you to. So, so if you are sitting here right now and you're single, there, there's a danger that you would miss the calling that God has on your life and become discontent with that. The same is true if you're married because we studied in week one that getting married means that you lay down everything that you are. For the good of your spouse. And sometimes. That's really hard. <laughs> Not sometimes. All the time. That's really hard. And, and so, so the question is. If you're single today. Will marriage solve that contentment problem? And I think every married person in here would say. A resounding no. We're going to unpack that a little bit. But. Think, think about, let me illustrate for you. Think about the divorce rate in this country. Depending on which study you look at, somewhere between 30 and 50% of, of marriages end in divorce in this country. That's an astounding statistic. But let's press it a little bit farther. What do you think the divorce rate inside of the church is in this country? The same. Depending on which study you look at, it's hovering around 50%, right? Now, that's bad news. But let, let, me, let, me, let me talk to you about this. I was talking with somebody else, and they, they informed me that there's another study that when a married couple is praying together, that divorce rate drops to less than 1%. Why? Why? Because you were not created to do this life alone. And so in marriage, when you bring God into it, things get better. If you're single, what I want to talk to you about today is what it looks like for you to bring God into it so that things will look better. Not that things are bad, but that you can begin to live on purpose, for a purpose. And that, that contentment, you'll find it. And, and when Jesus was teaching on marriage and teaching on divorce in Matthew chapter 19, he says some interesting things that I think uh, I want to bring to your attention. Okay, Because as you think about the marriage uh, and singleness being hard and you, you think about life being hard, 
I want you to look at what Jesus, by the way, was Jesus married or single? Single. He had a pretty awesome life. He accomplished some things. The disciples that he gathered around him were single. If we were to track through the Bible, there's an amazing amount of ministry being done through those that are single. Because there's an ability to laser focus on the things that God's called you to do. But look, look at this. Jesus is teaching and he's teaching on divorce and teaching about why divorce is, is not part of his plan. And why covenant commitment in marriage, which we talked about in week one, is so important. And then he talks about divorce and he teaches on why divorce is not part of his plan. And I want you to look at what the disciples' response is in Matthew 19.10. Here's what it says. The disciples said to him, if that's the situation between a husband and a wife, it's just better not to get married. And some of you might feel that way today. If I'd have known this was the situation between a husband and a wife, I would not have gotten married. And that would be a sad conclusion that like the disciples drew, that you've drawn. But that was week one. But look at Jesus' response in verse 11, and I think it brings out and points out something very important that we as the church have to get right in the culture that we present and the callings that we push forward. Look what he says in verse 11. Jesus replied, Not everyone can accept this word, but only to those to whom it has been given it's very important that that what's presented here is is two different callings on your life one calling is marriage another calling is singleness and and both of them are things that god is calling you to and that god would be giving to you as a gift notice that it says to whom it has been given so God's actually has a plan for your life and whether it's for a season or for forever, this scenario or situation or status you find yourself in is actually been given to you by God. That's very important. But think about this with me. Think about this with me. Marriage as a calling is very hard. Can I get an amen in church today? <laughs> it's hard. Singleness as a calling is very hard, is it not? And there are unique challenges to both. Both callings that God has given, both good things that God has given. And we can go to the scripture and study it and mine it and search it out. And you'll see both of those scenarios celebrated and used by God for the furthering of the kingdom. But they are hard. But isn't it amazing that when Jesus talks about your calling, he says it this way. My yoke or calling for you is easy and then he says what my burden the burden of singleness or the burden of marriage whatever he calls you to and whatever he's called you to in life he says is light it doesn't feel that way 
does it? Most of the time it doesn't feel that way. But it's so important for us to think about that because what, what is happening when Jesus says my yoke is easy? What's he suggesting to you? Uh, we, don't, we don't do a lot of farming anymore as a general population. Any farmers in the house? Nice. We got one. I know Pat's parents do some farming. So like, you're a minority today. I'm just going to say here in downtown Tampa, you're a minority. We don't do a lot of farming. But if you were a farmer back in the day, they probably, probably have a John Deere for this now. But uh, back in the day, they would get oxen. And they would take a yoke and they would attach the two oxen together with this yoke and and they would plow a field. But what's so interesting is they would never take a young oxen and an older oxen, ox, oxen is plural. English was not, I did better in Greek and Hebrew than I did in English. I just want you to know that. All right. You can feel confident in my Bible study. You can't feel confident in my English. All right. I've everybody, everybody else proofs my emails. All right. But, um. What was, what was Jesus saying when he said, my yoke is easy and my burden is light? Okay, so they, they, would, they would not take an older ox, 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 and a young ox, it's going to be hard for me, Jake, and plow with a young and a young or an old and an old. What would they do? They would mix an old and a young. Why? Because the young oxen would get things going. <laughs> they had energy. They had passion and purpose and drive. But the older oxen knew we got to do this all day and we're going to go slow and steady and we're going to finish the whole field instead of doing like three rows of awesome plowing and then being like, right? So like when you're a Christian, when you when you fall in love with Jesus for the first time, you're like, Woo, let's go. You're like, let's do this. But what happens like three months in, four months in, a year in, what happens? It begins to wane and we go through these hills and valleys of life. We go through these seasons of great uh, ministry for the kingdom of God. And then we go through these seasons of great uh, depression or low valleys of where we don't see the hand of God working. And so what Jesus was saying in that moment is if you'll yoke with me, I'll be that older, wiser ox. And you'll be that younger ox. And we'll go together and I'll keep the pace and I'll do the heavy lifting and you'll learn from me. Does that make sense? So when Jesus said, my yoke is easy, it's because he's yoking with you. My burden is light because he's saying, I'm going to carry the load the whole way, not just part of the way. I appreciate that you're going to that you're going to run in and plow that field. But let me tell you, there's some things coming that you can't see. There's some temptation coming that you can't see. There's a hardship coming that you can't see. And you're going to need me to help you continue to plow the field that I've called you to, regardless of what's going on in your life. You, need, you can't do life alone. You want to know why you should get in a city group? You know what my greatest hope for you in joining a city group? Is that you would find one person that you could take the mask off and be real with. Because you can't do this life alone. You'll be as sick as your secrets. You can't do this by yourself. You need to be yoked with Jesus and he chooses to do that through the local church. He chooses to do that through the people sitting around you right now. Through the people that are in your city group. 
It's huge because marriage is hard. Singleness is hard. The calling is hard. But Jesus said that your yoke could be easy and your burden light. What does that look like? looks like not doing life alone. Now, let me, let me boil all of that into a statement if you're single today. Here, here's, what, here's what I want all of that to say to you. And it will be on the screen. You can write this down if you're taking notes. Marriage will not solve your singleness. Marriage will not solve your singleness. Marriage will only expose your singleness. See, because here's what I've learned, and Camden would gladly affirm this, but she's in the nursery. All right? As I look around at a lot of the marriages and I look at the divorce rate, I see a lot of people not yoking with Jesus. I see a lot of single people getting married and expecting the person they married to serve us in our singleness. You see, because covenant commitment says, I lay down everything that I am for you when I get married. And there's so many marriages that, that that's not what marriage looks like. It's not me laying down my life for you. It's I married you so that you could serve me in my singleness. And so I want you to know if you're single today that marriage will not solve your singleness. It'll only expose it. You know, when we look around our culture and, we, and, and you know, it compares to the, to the place that Daniel found himself in Babylon as a single teenager with Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego. And God used him in great ways. It's like Joseph who found himself as a young boy sold into slavery by his family and then he grew up as a single man with no family in a, in a city and nation that he didn't know. And God used him greatly. He faced great temptation, but God used him greatly. It's like Esther who was a young single woman who was thrown into the bachelor Persia Against her wishes. She won though. Because God's people win. We're winners. Just kidding. Just kidding. That's not what the gospel says. But why did all that happen? What did Mordecai say to Esther? Because God's put you here for such a time as this. And so what I want you to know is that God hasn't made a mistake in putting you in the season of life that you currently find yourself in. He has you right where he wants you to be. And But as I look around, I, I think that it's incredibly important that we talk about one of those issues that every single one of us face, but, but it gets magnified in your singleness. But if you're married today, you listen to this too, because uh, the Bible says the truth will set you free. Right? He's a God of grace, but he's a God of truth, because the truth is what will set you free. So if you're married today, don't, don't check out on me. All right. And so what the, the perhaps the greatest thing when I look at our culture and what is being celebrated and as I look at the scripture and what God was calling people to and repeatedly said from the beginning of the book to the end of the book is this issue of purity, this issue of purity. Look at some of the scriptures that we're given. First Thessalonians chapter four. Here's what it says. For this is the will of God. Have you ever wondered what the will of God is for your life? This scripture says, this is the will of God. Your sanctification. God's plan for you is to sanctify you. To make you more aware of your need for Jesus. And then to make you look like Jesus. Sanctification. That you abstain from sexual immorality. 
that each one of you, is anyone exempt from that? No, it says each one of you know how to control his own body in holiness and honor, not in the passion of lust like the Gentiles who do not know God. Think your culture who does not know God. Verse 7, for God has not called us for impurity, but in holiness. In Proverbs chapter 5, Proverbs 5, 6, and 7 is a great place. I think every, every human being should read Proverbs 5, 6, and 7 like seven times a year. <laughs> or every, year, every day, we'd probably be better off. But look at what he says in Proverbs 5, 8. This is Solomon speaking to his son. He's giving him the wisdom of life. Keep your way far from her. Who's her? Temptation, the adulterous woman, lust, keep your way far from her and do not go near the door of her house. First Corinthians six eighteen, flee from sexual immorality. The only the only temptation the Bible tells you to run away from is this one. It's the purity issue. Every other sin a person commits is outside of the body. But the sexually immoral person sins against his own body. Or do you not know that your body is a temple of the Holy Spirit within you, whom you have from God? Listen to this. You are not your own. We live in a culture that says, you're your own. Do what you want to do. You want to change something, change it. You want to be something, be that. And God's saying, no, 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 no. I created you. I get to define you. And that's good news because what we're seeing in our culture is more and more confusion more and more unrest. And what God is saying is, I have a plan and a purpose for the people that I have created. You're not your own. You were bought with a price. See, because God didn't just create you and leave you. He created you. He gave you a purpose and then he died for you so that you could be set free. You see, it wasn't that God just created a bunch of rules for you and said, here you go, figure it out. No, God, God created you. Gave you the parameters, the guidelines, the guardrails, and then he came and walked among you. And then when Jesus left, he gave you the Holy Spirit and said, you're going to do greater things than I've ever done. He didn't just leave you there. He, he graciously brought the Holy Spirit to walk with you in this. You're not your own. You were bought with a price. So glorify God in your body. Verse 9. But if they cannot exercise self-control, they should marry. For it's better to marry then burn with passion. And I want to illustrate this for you today because this is the thing, this is the area that Satan, the Bible says in the New Testament, gets a foothold in your life. Said that th this area of purity is the place that whether you're single or married today, or whether you're a teenager or a kid or an adult, this is an area that Satan has a foothold in the church. And I want to I want to talk about this with you today because it says it's better to marry them burn with passion. The church for many years has been saying about the passion that you feel inside of you. Stop it. Passion is bad. Stop it and put some culottes on. That's what that's what we've been saying. You laugh. Some of you are laughing. Let me tell you, that's a real thing. You should pray about. Culottes are real. 
that's a different conversation. Some of you are like, Kulas, what are you talking about? Listen, I know you got saved recently, and we praise God for that. And we're glad that you didn't live through the Kulat years. All right? <laughs> There's other of you sitting here, you're like, oh, I know what that is. I'm never touching them things again. I burned them when I got married. Right? But, sorry, getting off track. Why does it say, why has the church said that something that God created is bad? I want you to know that the passion you feel is not bad. The things that God created are not bad. It's the misuse of them that become bad. So I want to I want to illustrate this for you. And I want to build a fire. Okay. Some of you are worried about my mental health right now. All right. So. Something about being a guy, right? We just, we just like, we like to play with fire, right? Like figuratively with our passions and literally with firewood, right? No guy's going to, you all going to leave me hanging on that, guys? No pyromaniacs in the house? I know, I know almost all of you. I don't know all of you, but I know almost all of you. But when we build a fire, right? Fires are great, aren't they? They are. I mean, I got a fire pit in my backyard because my father-in-law built it. You know what I'm saying? <laughs> Listen, you, you, uh, you find a mate, you marry their family, by the way. So find one that can build you stuff. That's not the only moral of that story. But um, fire, though... <laughs> Come on, reel it back in, people. Fire is a good thing, right? The thing about all that fire does that's good. It's beautiful. Not in this state where it's 87 degrees, but it it can warm your house. It can bring people together for a bonfire. It can cook things. It can do a lot of great things, can it? But what happens when starter log you know what i'm saying sometimes you just got to cheat right (laughs) but what happens if i take this fire and i light it in church some of you are like don't do it you're like look you're like there's an exit and there's an exit you're like i'm out of here where's my kids this guy's nuts never coming here again i'm not gonna light it But what would happen if I would light that fire in here? (laughs) We would burn the church down, right? Like, that would be stupid, right? Like, you have to think about your passion like fire. Why, Why does it say that it's better to marry than burn with passion? Why did God give an actual calling to some to get married and some to be single? And if you're single and God has called you to be married someday, there's this, there's this waiting period that God's called you to. And there's some important things that God wants to do in your life while you wait for marriage. And, and so fire was made and ought to be made in the fireplace. Now listen to me. You can have a great home that doesn't have a fireplace. Are you tracking with me? 
You can be single for the rest of your life and you can have all the fulfillment and experience that God wants you to have. You can be satisfied and single because God is good and God is faithful. But if that's your calling, this is incredibly important because there's some things that God designed inside of you and in your passions that you need to know that there's some parameters that he's given for our passion. And so if you're going to be married someday or if you are married right now, this is still for you. Fire belongs in the fireplace. Okay, let, let me give you four parameters in relation to that. Okay. Number one, make a commitment to God's standards. You see, because we confess Jesus as what? Counselor? Does it be a good place to say no? What do we confess him as? We confess Jesus as Lord. So if he says some things that we don't like in this season of life, it's our job, it's our role to submit to that. Even if we don't like it. Because what does the Bible say? It's not just a rule, it's truth. And what does God say? Truth will set you free. And so there's grace and truth. But we still have to recognize the truth. He isn't God if you won't submit to something that God knows will be disastrous. Look at what Psalm 119.9 says. How can a young man keep his way pure? By guarding it according to your word. If you want to keep yourself pure, you have to guard what God has given you. Because if if God's calling for you is to eventually be married, you want to guard this thing that you get to share with your spouse someday. You want to guard that. How how do I guard that? Number two, you, you have to manage your mind. You have to manage your mind. You see, because you have to make decisions before you ever... Have the lighter on, right? Like I have to decide ahead of time, I am not going to light this fire on stage at Redeemer City Church. Because that's going to end badly. You have to decide before you go out on Friday night, or before you get on the computer, or before you do whatever you're going to do, ahead of time, when the fire's not on and hot, what you're going to do. Look at what scripture says in Psalm 101.3. I will not set before my eyes anything that is worthless. I hate the work of those who fall away. It shall not cling to me. I heard one guy say it this way this week and I think it's so appropriate. We're all one step away from stupid. <laughs> right? Like we're all one step. Just, just think, about, think about it. Everything you've worked for in one moment can be gone. God called me to plant this church when I was 15. I didn't know where, I didn't know when, but God, that's when God put that call in my heart, that desire in my heart. And now I'm somewhere in my 30s. I'll leave that to your imagination. I know I look young and fit and wonderful. I was trying to give myself a pep talk. You could help. You don't have to laugh at me. But what would happen if a couple decades later, 
all that God had planned and called me too. I, I knew like six of you when this started. And God's built an amazing thing. And that can all disappear like that. We have to manage our mind. We have to manage our mind. Make a commitment to God's standard. How do I do that? What's a practical way for me to do that? Number three, magnify the consequences. Listen, for, for, some, for some of you, it would be good for you to go home and get out a piece of paper. You know, like the old kind, like the piece of paper that you can like see and touch and hold, you know. And write down what would happen to me if I blew it in this area. What would I lose? What is all that God's given to me that I would lose? It, we might need to go write these things down. If you're, if you're married today, you might need to go write down what would I lose if I blew it in this area. Think, think about it. Proverbs 6.32 he who commits adultery lacks sense. But what's more important than that? He who does it destroys who? Himself. Himself. Magnify the consequences. And number four, how, how do I do that well? Maintain proper relationships. I've already alluded to this about city groups and, you know, about there's a reason that God has given you pastors to watch over and care for your soul. Like, like God had a design in all that. You can't do this. You can't carry that yoke and that burden by yourself. You need to take the mask off with someone. Why is that so important? Proverbs thirteen twenty. Whoever walks with the wise becomes wise, but the companion of fools will suffer harm. Let, let me say it to you this way. I've said it before. But show me your friends and I'll show you your future. You will become who you are with. That's what that verse is saying. So if you want to become more like Jesus, get around Jesus' people. If you want to be wise, get around wise people. You've got to manage that. You've got to make a commitment to God's standards. Manage your mind. Magnify the consequences and maintain proper relationships because this fire is something that God created and it's good it's really good but if it's not managed properly if God doesn't get to define it even though he created it 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 doesn't work properly it can cause a lot of damage and so if you're single today I want you to know that you live in a culture you already know this but it's my job to reinforce this and call you to it that it's the truth that will set you free. But I also want you to know that you, you serve a gracious God. That your past does not define you. Whether you're married or single or wherever you find yourself right now in this moment, I want you to know that your past does not define you. That the, you, you can never outkick God's coverage of grace. That there's... His grace is sufficient in your weakness. And so if, if this has not been your story to this point, I want you to know that there's hope and there's grace and there's mercy and there's love for you and God will move forward. And the Bible says that when you cross the line of faith and you put your trust in Jesus and you confess him that you become a new creation. 
The old is gone. God never remembers that. The Bible says he puts it as far as the east is from the west. It's removed. It's gone. And you're a new creation in Christ Jesus. That can be yours today. And many of us, that's been our story. We've, we've had God redeem the past. And I just want you to know that there is grace and forgiveness and mercy. But I also want to call every single one of us, single or married, to a fresh commitment to God's standards. And what's so beautiful about that is that when you get called to God's standards, when, when the truth is presented and God calls you to the truth, he doesn't leave you there. The Bible says he'll never leave you. He'll never forsake you. He'll walk with you. He'll yoke up with you. And he'll keep you steady. And he does that through, he chose to do that through the church. That's why this is so important, because the God who, defi- who, who, made, who created it gets to define it. And you can't do it by yourself. And so if you're single today, I, I just want to call you a fresh commitment to protect, to guard the fire. Because God has a great plan for you says he's working it together for good even if you can't see it he's doing it and i have to believe that if marriage is in your future and that's the desire of your heart that that god gives good things to his kids pastor jake shared a verse in our in our little huddle before church this morning about just the good gifts that god gives us and so uh but there's this land between that god's calling you to a fresh commitment. <laughs> I want to close with this. This is, this is interesting. The bottom line is, if you're single today, uh, as you commit yourself afresh to God's standards, I want you to know this, that the, that the key is for you to fall in love. It's for you to fall in love, for you to fall in love with Jesus. To fall in love with Jesus. Because look at this. I, 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 want, I just want to press this even farther for you because... The future for Christians in eternity is not marriage. And that should inform us about how we live our life now. Look at this. Um, Jesus was was teaching and talking about marriage and talking about divorce and teaching and all this. And and here's what he says to, to some of the questions that were being asked of him in Matthew 22, 29. Jesus replied, you are in error because you do not know the scriptures or the power of God. At the resurrection, when Jesus comes back and makes all things new, look what he says. People will not marry or be given in marriage. They will be like the angels in heaven. Marriage is not the future of God's people. Why? Because of the power of God. What, what do the angels in heaven do all day long? They worship God, don't they? Holy. Holy, holy is the Lord God Almighty who was and is and is to come. Worthy is the Lamb who was slain. Right? So so marriage will not solve your contentment or your discontentment. Marriage will not solve your singleness. It will expose it. I'll just be honest with you. I don't like that verse. I like Camden. I think she likes me. 
So I don't, I don't necessarily like that. That's going to be taken away from me. Maybe you're like the people that were standing there listening to Jesus because it's just a couple of verses later, three verses later in Matthew 22, 33. Here's what it's, the Bible says. It says, when the crowds heard this, they were astonished at his teaching. Because what does it do? It kind of blows up this paradigm that happens in our heart that says that marriage is the goal. That marriage is the end all be all of relationships. And I just want you to know that, that God has a plan for your life. And whether it's marriage or singleness, you can be full and satisfied. You can be married and satisfied. You can be single and satisfied in Jesus. And so as the band comes up and as we wrap this up, uh, I want you to know this. I gotta get out of the way because there's I put a bunch of firewood where Kevin stands. <laughs> but but here's what I want you to know as we close today: that the devil would love to condemn you today. The devil would love to condemn you. The Bible calls him the accuser of God's children, and he would love to condemn you. But I want you to know that your past doesn't define you. That today you can make a decision to trust Jesus and there's abundant grace for you. It's a beautiful thing. Your marriage or your singleness is not defined by your past. Redeemer is a place of freedom. Jesus is a God of freedom. And he wants the truth to set you free today. That the, the truth of what God's standards are and the truth of God's plans are actually the thing that will take you to a place of freedom. His grace and forgiveness can cleanse you and make you new and set you on a path in the truth toward freedom. So today I want to call everybody to stand with me right now. And as we sing this song, I want you to think about the words, but... I want you to just speak to the Holy Spirit in this moment. And in a fresh way, and in a, in a tangible way, just commit to the Holy Spirit's leadership in your life. If you're married, that you would commit in a fresh way to guard the fire, to keep the fire in the fireplace. Maybe today you need to commit to join a city group and take that mask off with somebody. Get some filters for your internet. Get, get, get somebody who's going to call you. Get somebody who's going to walk with you through depression. Get somebody who's going to be there with you. Because you weren't designed to carry that load by yourself. And then maybe today there's somebody in here that doesn't know Jesus. You've never confessed to us, Lord. You've never given up that right in your heart. And I would encourage you today to make that decision because that's the most important decision you'll ever make in your life. Making Him Lord will actually set you free. It will bring the freedom that you've been looking for.